Hey guys, welcome back to Lockdown Universe, home of the bizarre, peculiar, and unheard of stories of UFO legend and lore. I just wanted to take one minute out to thank our sponsor, which is Subsumption. Uh, if you came here for alien encounters, government conspiracy, and conspiracy theories, this book is the book for you, and I want to share it with you guys. Uh, it's a story about humanity's pivotal position between two warring alien empires. If you enjoyed Ender's Game, Ready Player One, or Amazon Prime series upload, which I loved all of those, then this book is for you. Okay, now you don't have to take my word for it. Take a look at Curtis M., who reviewed this book, who stated Subsumption was exciting, and I wanted to see where this story was going. Luciano is creating a universe that isn't like anything we know. It's a really hard thing to do, and he pulled it off. So, like he said, it's hard to pull off a great story that's brand new, but Luciano has been able to pull it off. Another reviewer stated, an awesome new high-tech way to explore how society might rise and fall. Elements of sci-fi and post-apocalyptic merge seamlessly. If you like the Wool series, this is a must-read. And that's by Quinn O. So, take those words of advice. Go check out Subsumption, which is in the details and description below in this episode and just click on it and it'll lead you right to Amazon's uh, link for it. So go check it out today please and thank you for listening. Now let's go on to the next episode. Thank you. Welcome back to Lockdown Universe, some of the bizarre, peculiar, and unheard of stories of UFO legend and lore. And today we've got a great one for you. It involves Bigfoot in Leo Minster, Massachusetts. Now, when I first heard Leo Minster, I thought this place has to be in the UK, in England. But then I looked it up, and sure enough, it's Massachusetts. Now, my geography isn't that awesome, but you know what? That's okay. Uh, we're getting a little education here today. So, Leo Minster is apparently referred to as Monsterland. It's a five-mile stretch of Leo Minster that intersects uh, where a large population of the city's residents live, a bunch of shops and some unchartered territories and trees of the Leo Minster State Forest. Now, this article that I looked up today is on Telegram.com, and it follows a Leo Minster native by the name of Ronnie LeBlanc, who's on a first-name basis with Sasquatch. Uh, he's actually doing some shows and uh, has followed Bigfoot for quite some time. Um, he stated that growing up in uh, Massachusetts, they called it not Monsterland, but Monsterland. You know, they had that accent. And he states that it goes all the way back to the 50s when a gentleman that supposedly disappeared uh, had an event after seeing a strange creature by the Old Mill Road. So I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, LeBlanc and his experience with a Bigfoot. And it gets to be really interesting. He actually went out exploring for Bigfoot with a, uh, a psychic medium as well as a few other individuals. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So LeBlanc knows his Bigfoot and has had his share of glowing orbs in his experience. So not only does he have Bigfoot experiences, but glowing orb experiences, UFO experiences. 
and these all coagulate and, and combine into a very interesting uf ufology uh, story. So he has done a lot of extensive research uh, and so much that he was plucked up at the last minute uh, to be part of an elite team of Sasquatch specialists who journeyed into Oregon's wilderness in search of the legendary creature and uh, actually had a show on the travel channel called Expedition Bigfoot. So if you've seen that show, you've probably seen him on there. He'll also be featured on Shock Docs and This Is Halloween, which is airing... Um, well, it did air, actually, in October on the Travel Channel. This article is just a, uh, about a month old. And so he's going to be on a lot of shows. He's actually been featured on Animal Planets, Finding Bigfoot, and In Search of Monsters. So he's been on a lot of television shows. And he actually released Monsterland Black IPA. <laughs> so this guy's deep into ufology like the rest of us. So he's 46 years old. He's, he's uh, authored a couple books. Uh, Monsterland, The Encounters with UFOs, Bigfoot, and or Orange Orbs, and uh, another one about Shaman, Sasquatch, and Synchronicity. So, what is his particular encounter? Okay, his particular encounter actually comes in uh, Monsterland, and let me pull it up here. And his first occurrence happened when he was only 12 years old. And he had a strange encounter behind Fallbrook Elementary School, which still haunts him to this very day. Um, so he states that um, on, on the West Coast, there seems to be a larger uh, Bigfoot area or Bigfoot creature than out on the East Coast. He states that in Ohio and Pennsylvania, Bigfoots have more black fur and are smaller in statue by about six feet or so. Whereas out West, they can get upwards of almost nine feet tall. And that's much larger than what was captured on the Patterson-Gimlin film of 1967. So there's different reports. Some reports uh, report, you know, a gray some uh, fur. Some reports report a red fur. Um, but when he was 12 years old, he had his first encounter in, at the elementary school. And he stated there was a bunch of tracks that would connect Monsterland that would go to the sand dunes where people would go out partying and had reported seeing strange things, UFOs, shadow people, strange balls of light, uh, you name it. He stated everybody had seen a lot of different things out there. And there was one particular track that he always used to avoid. It was very dark and ominous feeling. He stated it would be a beautiful, beautiful day, and you would look down uh, this track and it looked dark. And I think we've all kind of had similar experiences where it might be a nice day, but you'll look down like a certain street uh, or a certain pathway and you're like, God, it's a beautiful day, but that still looks dark and has kind of like this ominous presence, this dark feeling to it or a negative energy feeling to it. And so he states that's what he felt with this particular path. And one day while he's gripping the handlebars of his BMX bike, he was feeling brave and he went down this trail. And there were two trees on either side, and he felt like it was a prehistoric gate welcoming him to the place. He stated that he started to go down the trail with his bike, and he could hear his bike squeaking and noticed there was no other sounds in the forest, nothing, just his bike. He remembers coming to a dead stop, and that he couldn't see anything on either side, so he started to get an uneasy feeling in his gut. He put his feet flat on the ground and didn't move a muscle. At that moment, something crashed through the woods 
right in front of him, and he could feel it reverberating through the soles of his feet. It was pushing trees and shrubs and went across the trail onto the other side, but I couldn't see anything. That's what was so disturbing. So he had that experience, and now we're going to flash forward 24 years later, and he's continuing to do research on people's encounters with quote-unquote invisible things. And he states, as you dig deeper into Bigfoot, you start talking about cloaking. And I've talked about this on previous podcasts. One of my earlier podcasts, in the first 20 podcasts, I talked about what is Bigfoot. You know, it seems as though he has this cloaking technology. He can be interdimensional. Um, it seems that he can he can disappear and, and appear at will. Um, and that's why you can't take great pictures of him. Um, so... You know, this is where people start talking about the cloaking aspect of Bigfoot. And he states that it seems as though it's a fact that he can vanish before people's very eyes. And the stories go back hundreds of years where all of a sudden a posse of this creature would be cornered and the tracks just disappear in an open field. It's like something just came and picked it up and took it away, almost like possibly a UFO or some sort of, you know, transportation device. So all the stories he states start start to intertwine, and he started to go back and said a swear word. <laughs> and he said a lot of people are talking about these similar encounters that I had. So he states there's a belief that Bigfoot could be an alien or be interdimensional, and be an interdimensional being. So he could be part of our existence on in our galaxy, in our universe, or he could be from a totally different dimension or their species could be from a totally different dimension. And it sounds crazy, you know, it could be, you know, it sounds like something that would be in science fiction, but when you think about it, we have this preconceived notion that an alien has to be gray or green, which is not true because we have small whites, tall whites, and we have darker uh, three-foot creatures uh, that are like oily brown, um, reported down in uh, Varginha, uh, Brazil. So, I mean, there's all kinds of different colors and and uh, sizes and and hair uh, colors and hairiness to different creatures. So, you know, we can't lump any of them into any category because they're all so different. Um, so a few years back, this is getting into his very interesting story, um, at 1 a.m. on October 21st in Salt Fork State Park in Lower City, Ohio, LeBlanc, with a group of experts, uh, went into uh, a search mode for Bigfoot. He had his podcast partner, a psychic medium by the name of Dr. Rebecca Foster, uh, and he had creature replica owner Jeff Byers also looking for Bigfoot, along with Maddie Blake. So he states that we saw this orange ball of light floating in the woods at 1 a.m., and he noticed it, and he said, guys, we got something over here. So they start to walk towards this light. We're at the edge of the wood line, and all of a sudden this thing splits into two, and it looks like two eyes. And it's high off the ground, and it's moving around like it's part of something. And the psychic medium stated, we have a Sasquatch right in front of us. And LeBlanc recalled that there was a moment where you could just see a silhouette of the trees, and you could see just the faint light from a distance coming through. And the psychic medium stated, watch, it's going to move. And this tall shadow moved through the trees without making a sound. And he stated, I'm like, what are we dealing with? Is this an animal or is this something else? So 
he was very concerned at the time uh, and had some very interesting aspects of that story going on. Now, as we come back to central Massachusetts, LeBlanc continues to state that there's so much happening in that area. He states that he's seen glowing, floating orbs nine times, including during the day. And he stated that people have seen Bigfoot holding an orb. They look like they're holding a basketball with plasma circling around it, and they're silent. And he states that I've just seen them hovering over the sky and blink out and disappear. And there's a lot of different theories about Bigfoot, and the reality is, is that something's actually happening. And the people are seeing them, and they're leaving tracks. Um, and what he finds particularly interesting is there's a lot of sightings that are close to suburbia. Now, what's interesting to me is what he just said here. He stated that they, there was actually a sighting of a Bigfoot holding a plasma ball or an orb that looks like a basketball with plasma swirling around. What would that be? Would that be, you know, something, some tool of use? Would that be some tool of offensive weaponry? Uh, would that be some sort of knowledge-based tool uh, where they're garnering um, information from the environment? You know, what is what would that plasma ball really be? Um, you know, if you follow any, any particular gothic lore, you know, um, theoretically... People can create energy balls with their thought and focus and concentration. Um, but I don't know if Bigfoot follows uh, gothic lore. And uh, we can't assume what he is holding. You know, it's a, it's a very interesting part, portion of the story. Um, so this monster area, Leo Minster, um, Monsterland, uh, is thought to be a hotbed for UFO sightings and possibly abductions. Uh, LeBlanc talks about and references Betty Andreessen, who claims that on the night of January 25th, 1967, she was abducted by extraterrestrial aliens from her South Ashburnham home. She also had a close encounter in 1944, and there was a huge UFO wave in 1967 in central Massachusetts as well. And people see UFOs consistently through this area. So we seem to have continued sightings no matter where you are or what time period we're referencing. So he states that a lot of people in Leominster, they know what's going on. He states people talk, but he states that people also keep their mouths shut and don't say a lot either. So he states for him to actually write the book and come forward was a bit of a risk and gamble, but he's hoping that he'll make a connection with the people in the world of ufology. Now what's interesting is, you know, talking about people who don't really want to talk about these extraterrestrial events or uh, poltergeist-like activity like we talk about down in like Skinwalker Ranch or in the Dulce Base, New Mexico. We have Native Americans who simply don't talk about it because they feel as though when they speak about it, it brings about that energy, and they don't want to bring that energy up. They don't want to bring that energy towards them. They don't want to bring that energy into their field, and so they don't talk about it. So the question is, are people having actually more Bigfoot experiences than are what's being referenced and are what's being acknowledged? Are people afraid to come forward with uh, ex you know, extraterrestrial or Bigfoot Sasquatch stories because either they're going to be made fun of, they, they fear, you know, uh, retaliation possibly from their employer, from their social network, from their community, uh, from maybe even from the government. Um, 
And, you know, they'll be labeled as quote-unquote crazy. But see, the thing is, there's been so many stories about Bigfoot, so many stories about Sasquatch that you can't just dismiss them. And especially when we have some super, super interesting stories like the one we talked about where the, you know, this team found their own Bigfoot and Sasquatch story. But then there's other stories where Bigfoot's holding an orb and a plasma ball. Um, there's other stories uh, not related to the Massachusetts story, but there's other stories that I've come across where Bigfoot has uh, been related to rectangular and triangular aircraft, spacecraft, um, and actually been seen inside um, disc-like shaped UFOs as well. So, you know, what does that mean? What does it all mean? You know, why would he be associated with different aircrafts? You know, is it like, you know, does every alien species fly multiple different models of aircraft? Is it like driving a Ford and driving a Chevy and driving a Honda and driving, you know, an Infinity? You know, it, what is it about this that makes it so that these species have all these different crafts? You know, it's just really, really fascinating and just makes you wonder if there's some sort of, you know, conglomerate that allows them to use different ships as well. You know, we know about the Galactic Federation. We know that a lot of species are part of the Galactic Federation, over 200. And that's just one Galactic Federation that we know about. There may be many others. And so maybe, like we talked about, they share technology. So to see one alien species utilize a triangular aircraft and then another species use a triangular aircraft doesn't mean that... Each species is particularly linked to a, a certain size aircraft or a certain shape aircraft. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, I think a lot of us, we get locked into, you know, who's flying what or who's associated with what. But we got to remember, even with our own government, our own government is sharing technology with multiple different alien species. And this technology gets around and it gets re reverse engineered and it gets utilized by many different species. So... Just because one species has the capability to possibly disappear into another dimension utilizing certain technology doesn't mean that another one can't, right? We talk about a lot of different species being able to go through walls. It's because they have the ability to demoleculize, de you know, you know to, to expand their molecules through uh, walls and then, you know, put, put them back together, basically. Uh, if you've ever seen Galaxy Quest, you'll know what I'm talking about. And when they, they accidentally uh, turned an animal inside out <laughs> with their transportation device, you, you know it can be uh, kind of messy sometimes. So anyway, that's this particular Bigfoot story. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, you know, what's interesting is just to think about the fact that this particular story occurred up in Massachusetts. I particularly haven't heard of a lot of Bigfoot stories up in Massachusetts. The vast majority of Bigfoot stories I've heard of have been down in Florida, uh, in the southeast region, as well as up in the northwest region, the Pacific region of Washington State, Oregon, um, Upper California, those locations. So it seems to be that there's some that are on the vast sides of this country. Meanwhile, there apparently are. Other stories that actually occur in Massachusetts, up in the Northeast as well. So um, so there's that. So anyway, hopefully you guys are taking care of yourself, staying physically, emotionally, spiritually healthy, focusing on your hobbies and goals and your dreams, taking care of your family, and as always, continue to question the universe around you. It's a big universe out there, 
There's lots to question. So until next time, take care of yourselves and Lockdown Universe out.